0: This is an Eye on Annapolis special update.
1: Hey, with us today on the phone is a Grammy Award-winning artist, an Academy Award nominee. At 16, he was co-writing songs with Marvin Gaye, and at 18, he was playing with Stevie Wonder when they opened for the Rolling Stones. The list of artists that he's worked with reads like a who's who of Motown, but we are all probably know him best for a song that really defined a decade, at least for me, Ghostbusters. Uh, joining us on the phone now is Mr. Ray Parker Jr. How are
0: you? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good.
1: Good, man. You know, well, first things first. I mean, you didn't just happen to call me today, although that would have been like really <laughs> cool. But you, yeah. you you, are coming to Annapolis on Friday, February 7th for one show at the Rams Head on stage. And the show is at 8 o'clock. The doors are at 7 p.m. And I just took a peek and there are a few tickets left so you can get them at RamsHead on com. You know, Ray, I got to say that at 18, just graduating high school seemed like a huge deal to me. But at 18... Right. You, you were on tour with Stevie Wonder and the Rolling Stones.
0: Yeah, and believe it or not, I was actually I was actually in college that year when he called and I was having a terrible time. I just I was doing drafting car parts for Ford and I was bored out of my mind. And so when Stevie Wonder called, it was the biggest blessing that could have ever happened. And it gave me a good excuse to disappoint my parents, although they weren't happy. You know holy, <laughs> holy it was a wonderful time.
1: You know, I mean, how how cool was that, going into the Boston and saying, hey, Edsel Ford or whoever it was at Ford, I, I'm out of here. I'm going on tour with Stevie Wonder. That must have been
0: amazing, <laughs> Exactly. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I, t- I put all my books down at school in that drafting class, and I walked out of class never to return. It was a big, great feeling.
1: Oh, my God. Well, gosh, that's not too shabby a way to kick off our career, that's for sure. But yeah. over the years, and I mean, you've been around for – I say you've been around, but I mean, you've been uh, – Musically around for more than forty years, and you've worked with the Carpenters, Rufus and Chaka Khan, Bill Withers, the Supremes, Aretha, uh, Stevie Wonder, as we mentioned, and you had obviously you had your own group as well, Radio, which saw a huge mm-hmm. hit, uh, "Jack and Jill," which was uh one of my favorites back when I was uh, i guess, a late teen or an early adult or whatnot, which went to I believe number four on the Billboard charts, mm-hmm. and. You know, and that was just a really busy time.
0: Oh, real busy. Believe it or not, it's still busy. (laughs) People wonder, what are you doing? How about they have a documentary called Who You Gonna Call coming out on me, which is the story of my life in film. We got the new Ghostbusters film coming out in July, so I'm trying to tie that all together. And I have a new record coming out, too, that sounds like something from the late 70s or early 80s. I'm not going to go with the new style of music. I'm doing mine like the old style for my group of people. And so I'm pretty busy
1: what do do, do you mean your group of people you talking about people like me like really old guys
0: well Um, i mean you know not really old just you know (laughs) probably 40 45 plus or 40 plus you know there's a bunch of us born in that time period you know
1: oh i tell you you know it's funny we used to go to a firehouse up uh when i lived up in pennsylvania and they used to have an oldies night okay and it used to play songs from the 50s and the 60s and everything else my kids were talking about oldies and they're talking like you too and I'm like going, are you, exactly. are, are, you are you kidding me?
0: But you, well, now they're talking about all you all you guys that we can sing the lyrics and you got a melody. Y'all old folks, you know?
1: That that That's true. I know when, uh, gosh, one time I was riding with my kids, we're going to a carpool, and there was a band, there was a one-hit wonder flash in the pan called The 18s, and they did a remake of Dancing Queen uh, from ABBA. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there just sort of singing yeah. along, and my kids are looking at me like I'm some sort of god because I know the words to this song. <laughs> right. And I'm like, dude, it's old. It's older than you. It's practically older than me. And we had to go to a <laughs> yeah. record store and buy the CD. And I had to prove him to him that it was a. It was totally a remake. Um, right, exactly. I mean, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about Ghostbusters. I mean, how did you get the call to come into that film?
0: Well, first of all, they liked all my other records. And Gary Lamelle, who was the head of uh, Columbia Pictures at the time, uh, I worked with him with Barry White. He was one of the publisher guys back in the day. So he thought I would be the perfect guy to do it. So they they hired me to write that song. I think they had listened to over a hundred pop songs that I'm writing. And, and they didn't like any of them. None of them had the words Ghostbusters in it. And he just didn't feel it would work. So somehow they, they thought I could do it. And guess what? They were right. I was like, well, why, would you, why does anybody think I can do it? You know, even I didn't believe in myself. But it's funny, he was 100% sure that I could do it, and I did. Yeah,
1: You know, that's awesome when you get somebody that's, that that believes in you. And I mean, I'm going to sit there and say that's probably Stevie Wonder does as well, because I mean, Crank calling you out of Ford and telling you, hey, come on out and play with me. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. You've got a lot of people there. I know that recently they released Ghostbusters 312 or something, um, and I know <laughs> I know you weren't really involved <laughs> yeah. in <with> it musically. <laughs> um, it might explain the box office performance because you weren't involved in it musically, but... You know, it's funny. I find that there are certain iconic movies that really never should be remade, and Ghostbusters certainly is one of them. I mean, I don't think you could remake. You know, we'll go in that genre: you Caddyshack, that Time Area, or Animal House. I mean, you just yeah. can't remake them. I mean, do you have do you have an opinion, or are you involved in any of the remakes on this, other than?
0: No, of course not. <clears throat> All I do is license the phrase, and I think that this film, film they're coming out with, I think they're going to use the music and do it more justice because you know it's like almost like the rocky horror picture show people like to go to movie theater and go who are you going to call it? ghostbusters shouting loud in the theater you know so they need to get that part of it back but i think they're going to probably make the new ghostbusters every 4 or 5 years i mean it's like star wars batman it's in that group of series it's, it's like columbia pictures biggest franchise to date so I think wow. they're going to make it, probably a bunch of them. I hope they're going to be good, you know, <laughs> or different or something,
1: you know. Well, well, Ghostbusters. I mean, some people have, you know, they get stuck in a uh, in a thing. I'll say like Gilligan, uh, and that was what mm-hmm. he was known for. He done did plenty of other things and whatnot, as well as you have. I mean, are you, does being sort of pigeonholed into? Hey, you're the Ghostbusters guy. I mean, it's a huge hit. I mean, it defined a decade for me. Yeah. Anyhow, I mean, does that ever get yeah. old for you?
0: No, it does not get old for me. You should see the checks that come in. Every time you think it gets old, it's more. I mean, you know, let me put it to you this way. You got to know when you go to church whether you're blessed or not, right? So I'm, like, saying my prayers every night. I miss the biggest blessing I could ever, ever. It's bigger than anything I could have even asked for. So, it's no, there's no way in the world I can even get upset for a second. About Ghostbusters.
1: That's that's fantastic. Now, now, how cool is it to walk up to a kid that's five or six years old today and go, "Hey, who are you going to call?" And they they know the answer.
0: Well, first of all, that's what's most rewarding out of anything. <clears throat> I mean, I'm still relevant today. I mean, this—I go to Starbucks and this kid's six, seven, eight years old, and they they coming up to me, says, "My dad says you wrote that song. Can I have a picture with you?" Can, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. You know, you would think that most of the music I recorded, you know, people in their 20s wouldn't know it or in their 30s wouldn't know it, but all the kids know it. So and, they get six, seven, eight years old, Ray Parker, new Ray Parker Jr. fans all over again.
1: And and and, it's and how you, about this?
0: I don't have to tweet. I don't have to tweet on social media to reach the young kids.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, I mean it, it's hysterical because you can just sit there and go, and that's all you have right. to do. And you know exactly what we're talking yeah. about. That's amazing. Yep. Well, now you're coming back to Annapolis on Friday, February seventh, and you were here about you were here back in like 2013 with the late great um, Joe Sample, I think.
0: Yes, we, we yeah, do. but Joe Sample was a great friend of mine. I mean, we we yeah. played together for years on different records. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you know, but all the Barry White records, the Jackson Five records, that's all Joe Sample and me playing together and stuff. So we we had a long. So we travel together, do some gigs. And and I want you to know, the last time we were there, that is the last show that Joe Sample ever played in his life.
1: Oh, man. Wow.
0: <laughs> that is the last show. He told me he had some kind of pain in his chest. He went to the doctor. Next thing you know, he got subdued and was in the hospital. And that is the last show. Uh, I remember that. And, you know, so I was thinking of that. When they said you could play there, I said, well, that would be happy and sad at the same time, you know.
1: That's for sure. Well, well what can, what can we expect from your show now?
0: I mean, you said You can you expect all the hits. Okay. I need a great band because it's nice and early in the year so nobody else on tour with somebody else. So I can get my hand pick of all my favorite guys. We just left Japan. We did a week in Japan, so we're well rehearsed and well ready to go. Well, so we're just going to have some fun.
1: We are on the phone again with mm-hmm. Ray Parker Jr. who will be <coughs> live at Ramshead on Stage on Friday, February 7th, and some tickets are still available at ramsheadonstage.com. And one thing that I had sort of dug up that I wanted to ask you about is that you were uncredited <clears> with writing "You Make Me Feel Like Dancing," which is the the hit that Leo Sayer big had. Time. And yeah, why, big why, time. Why didn't you get the credit on that? I'm still asking that same question. I like to know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't know who to call. Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I was promised a part of the song. I put the band together. I wrote the song at home. It's not like it was some misunderstanding and the producer actually said he said well i like that groove he says i'll give you a portion of you know your writers on the song and i'll give you all the stuff and he just didn't do it just a straight up ripoff you
1: know wow man well you know it's funny i i listened to a podcast they were talking back when uh payola was like huge in the radio uh business not that it's gone away anymore at this point but uh they said that there was a a, a dj that said okay well you know i'll play your thing instead of giving me money just give me a I can't remember what band it was, but just give me a, give me a writing credit on it.
0: And it was, mm-hmm. it was a goldmine for him. Yeah, but you know the good side to that is I gave him two songs, that one and another song called Jack and Jill. And so we took that Jack and Jill song away from him and gave it to Clive Davis, and I got the best record deal of my life. It was like I was signing my second record deal on the first record deal because I had a hit record on and everybody knew that I'd, I'd done that song.
1: I'll tell you, So, you
0: know, you never know what where the faith, you got to have faith and things work in mysterious ways. And you just don't know where, what's going to be what. Well, you're a singer,
1: songwriter, producer, and an instrumentalist. Um, what's, what's your first love of those? I mean, what comes first, second? Well, first like?
0: of all, my first love, the first, what well, is no first, second, third, is just me playing the guitar. Everything is a spinoff of that. So like if, to me, if somebody was making a chart and they said, well, what does Ray do? And when people ask me, what is it you do for a living? I tell them I play the guitar. Everything else is a spinoff of me playing the guitar. Engineering, owning studios, writing songs, singing, everything starts with playing the guitar. If it wasn't for me playing the guitar, none of the other stuff would even exist. So I can't even put them in any order except the guitar comes first and everything's <laughs> under that somewhere, a tree under that.
1: After 40 years in this industry, and you said you're talking about the, you know, you're going to play to the people that the old stuff and all the hits and everything else. You've you've got more than forty years of industry under your belt here, and today's music environment's really changed a whole lot with streaming and everything else like that. And I know that bands are, you know, not necessarily looking to make albums like they used to be. I mean, that was the big deal was get a record right. album and you know sell a million yeah. albums. Uh, now it's you know they want to tour, they want to sell merch, and I know that some are actually writing songs specifically to be picked up on Netflix or Amazon or HBO or something like that.
0: Right. I mean, do, right. you,
1: do you find I mean, as you're living in both worlds—the old world and the new world—would you would you want to start in today's world, or do you have any opinion on whether today is any better or worse than yesterday?
0: Well, well, for young kids, I'm gonna give them some credit. Some of their new toys are pretty neat—pro tools and all this electronic recording is pretty good trick because you can edit, move things around, do things you could never do in the old days. First of all, I don't want to start over because I've already done it once. I have to do it again. You know, so I'm too lazy to start over. But, you know, I don't, I bet you it's not really that much different from the old days. I mean, we did it on the left side of the field. Maybe they're doing it on the right side of the field. I mean, now they got more clothing lines and soda pops and drinks and DJs are making $50 million a year playing our music that we don't get any money from. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're smarter than us. I don't know. They seem to be making a whole ton of money, some of these guys nowadays, you know. So, yeah, you know, I guess it works out. I mean, my, for my group, see, I'm going to cut an album because my people are expecting to hear at least eight songs, you know. <laughs> and then, right. and how about this? Most people aren't pressing CDs anymore, but I'm told that 70% of my audience will still buy CDs. They still got CD players in their cars, you know, even though they don't put them in the latest Mac computers and stuff. But some of them still buy CDs, so they'll stream it, CD, and we have to do all of the above. Yeah. And now vinyl's coming back.
1: Right, yeah. Well, I heard I heard this year that vinyl... Outsold CDs for the first time in. in I wouldn't in, doubt that. and and that was that was amazing. And, and there is something about vinyl, listening to vinyl, and uh, you know scratches and blemishes yeah. and all. I think it's just a much deeper, richer, more real music that you're hearing than yeah. uh, you mm-hmm. can on the digitally stuff there. And and I I don't get that whole DJ making fifty million dollars a year thing. That uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I I totally don't get that. I'm with I'm with you there.
0: I went to a Clive Davis's party the other night. And the guy that got in the elevator was Kygo, right? Right. And I had a friend, a friend of mine from Norway knew who he was. I wasn't, I wouldn't recognize him. And he's a very nice guy, wonderful guy. And he took a picture with me, and I wanted to take a picture with him. was the highlight of the night because my son's favorite DJ is Kygo. So I sent my son the picture of me and Kygo, and all of a sudden it meant something. You know, he didn't want to see me and Smokey Robinson. He didn't want to see me and Carlos Santana. He didn't want to see none of that crap. You want to see me and Congo? You know? <laughs> oh <laughs> man, times it time, time time is. This is what it takes to make my kids happy. Yeah, times have changed. <laughs> that's true. Well you,
1: well, you do have four boys, man, and are they following yeah. in your musical footsteps at all? Or are they musically
0: the inclined, two? Or? The two? Well, that's well. Two of the old ones they went south. They went to business and other stuff. The two younger ones are following. I wouldn't say following the footsteps. They're in uh, uh, Belmont School of Music in Nashville which is one of the finest music schools in the world. And the 21-year-old, there's a 19 and 21-year-old. The 21-year-old is out doing concerts in Barcelona. He's a DJ. He's making at least six, $700 a week in Nashville. Then he flies to New York and does shows in different cities. So he's already talking about getting a deal with William Morris. And you know he's opening for Marshmello and Diplo and some of those guys I never heard of. Yeah, but nice. So he's already doing pretty good. Now I wouldn't say they're following in my footsteps because I'm like, well, where do where do you get a band? Is anybody going to play something? And say, you know, his answer <laughs> is that yeah, you can plug your guitar into the thing and play along with the track. You know, so it's just a different <laughs> concept altogether. You know, I'm like, well, why would I want to plug my guitar in if ain't nobody else up here playing? That, just... They do that now, right? The saxophone player gets up and plays with the the band or with the DJ but there's no band. So what are y'all looking at? The guy's playing the horn. I mean, don't you want to hear the bass player, the drummer, you know, but they don't do that now. You can just plug your guitar in and play with the, the DJ. Yeah.
1: Well, that's, that's what I heard. I can't remember what song it was. It was a couple of years ago. My kids were all into it and it was a DJ got the top billing on it. And I can't remember who it was featuring Sia, yeah. featuring Sia. And I mean, she that, was doing all the vocals. Yeah. I mean, she was like what I heard yeah. in this song and it's like, Oh yeah. And some, yeah. And some chick singing. You know, it's like, what
0: the heck? Yeah, but it's the DJ that owns the band. Exactly. Yeah. It's the DJ. I'll tell you this. If I came to Ram's Head with a DJ and played the guitar, I mean, I'd be, there'd be so many tomatoes in my head. You know what I mean? It would be like crazy. You should totally, I mean, you should to, you should to totally do that. You should. T- <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not doing that. And <laughs> hey, y'all, the, the buying tickets, you heard it. I ain't doing that. That's his suggestion. i mine. <laughs> I mean, that would be like crazy. I would feel, so, feel like I was on stage with no clothes on. Yeah. It's just crazy.
1: That's you know that, I I agree with you, and that's one thing I love about Rams has such a small small little venue, and it's uh, you're up, yeah. up close and personal. And the documentary that you said it's going to be called "Who Are You Going to Call?" And that's yeah. Where does that stand now at this point? When's that coming out?
0: We're we're done with it now, so hopefully that's going to come out summertime with the movie. Okay, or well, right after the movie, we'll let the movie build up all the interest, and we'll show them who's the guy that wrote the song. I'll tell you, as we
1: start to wrap up, and I mean, I know you're in L.A., and a few years ago you performed at a Lakers game when they unveiled the uh, Elgin Baylor statue.
0: And Yeah, for Bill Withers.
1: Yeah, and uh, sadly, on Sunday, we lost another Laker legend in Kobe Bryant. Do you have any thoughts on that? or
0: are you? Uh... That's terrible. I, like, I heard about it first because, you know, it's, it's, you know, some people are really strange and depressed people, too. They wake me up out of bed because I live in Calabasas, right? Not far from where it happened, but I mean, Calabasas is a big city and everybody wanted to know, was I all right? I had to stop answering the phone. I mean, what do you mean I'm all right? Like it didn't hit my house. What are you talking about? Well, you know, it didn't fall on top of me, but it's such a sad thing. I'm a pilot also, by the way. Oh, wow. And it's just so, it was when I woke up and everybody woke me up, it was so foggy outside and I'm not up high. I couldn't see, you know, too much past my backyard. And it was, it's you know the NTSB. I see them at Starbucks now this morning. They're going to be there for the next two or three weeks. But uh, I got a bad feeling. It's, it's it was foggy. And it was one of those days they shouldn't have never took off and tried to make it. Uh-huh. It was special VFR on the flight following. The ceiling was 1,100 feet, and it was just foggy everywhere. Nobody could see anything. And these they're in a helicopter trying to follow the freeway and and scud around. How about the day before it was clear? The day the next day would have been perfect. So, my guess, and it's just a guess, I mean, it could be mechanical failure, but it really doesn't point towards that. It looks like they should have just stayed home and drove a car that day.
1: Well, it's it's still still a terrible loss for the uh, labor organization terrible terrible. and uh, yeah, it's bands just, and
0: everything else. It's hard for me. I'm trying not to think about it because for me, the kids kill me. I mean, there's three kids on there, and they were all friends and their parents. And, yeah. I mean, it's just the saddest thing. And these are all good people, you know, it's not like they're you know, drug dealers. I mean, not not that anybody should get killed, but it's not like, you know, you you, you wonder why did all the good people trying to save the world, do something great happen and everybody else is blowing up stuff. Why not, you know, it's just, there's no sense to it. It's just, it's terrible. I mean, every time I think about it, I get sick again. Then I try to go on with my day. and I just, you think you see it on TV and just get sick again. really bad thing. I agree
1: well if if you have a message for the masses is as opposed to like the maybe the three or four thousand that may be listening to this, what message does Ray Parker Jr. want to say to the
0: world? Well, I want to say thank you to the world. I mean, I've been having just a wonderful time, like I said before, I grew up in Detroit, so my destiny was to work at Ford or g m or Chrysler, you know, probably on the factory floor. My dad was going to help me be a white collar worker, if you call it that, and I love music, and for me to be blessed enough to be able to play my music and have people enjoy it and be able to support myself playing music is the greatest gift ever. I mean, you know, everything else is a bonus. If you could buy a sports car, some that does not really matter. But what really matters is to a real musician is to be able to play your music and have a good time. So I like to encourage all the young kids, you know, most of their parents are going to tell them, don't, whatever you do, don't do that crazy stuff. Music, that's not stable. You know, music business is very stable, but it's like any other business. You got to work hard at it. And so I I, I tell my kids and all kids, if if it's really what you love, you only get to live once. Pursue your dream 100%. You don't need any backup plan. I say burn the backup plan. And just go for plan number one and and give it all you got.
1: I'm down with that. I, I totally agree with that ray parker jr thank you very much for your time this afternoon and you can catch ray parker jr and me at the ram's head on stage friday february 7th for his one and only show here tickets are still available and i suggest you go get them now keep up on all the ray parker jr news at rayparkerjr.com ray thank you so very much safe travels and we're going to see you here friday the 7th
0: there you go thank you very much I'm afraid of no ghosts She just wants more. I think you better call.